impossible pregnancies, grandparents, and baby dolls. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. Mary, let's begin today by playing a game. All right. People, famous people, who go by the name of John. Okay, let me think. How about John F. Kennedy? That would be probably my first thought, too. If you ask my mother, she would say... John Wayne, the well-known, famous Western actor. Oh, okay. Let's see. How about John Lennon? Yeah, it's a good one. He's got a, a lot of famous songs. It's kind of funny. I think of some of his songs would fit with Bible class. How about Imagine or Twist and Shout or what about this one? Come Together Right Now. Yeah, those are well-known songs he's sung. I bet he didn't realize, actually, he was just making some songs appropriate for Bible class. That's right. What's the la- Let's do one more. One more could be John Ronald Rule Tolkien. Oh, okay. That's a handful. We know him as J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, Yeah, Lord of, the author of Lord of the Rings, that's, among other things. That's right. Yeah, so those are some well-known names. We're going to talk about a story today in Luke chapter 1, another, quote, famous person, John and his name is, is very significant, right? This is an important John. Right. His name actually means graced by God. And we're going to see in the story just how he fulfills that name or he lives out that name. I mean, we think of John the Baptist probably most of the time we thinking about his ministry in the desert and what he ate, what he wore. But today we're going to talk about actually his birth. And we find that story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Well, I think it's... Really great that this chapter begins in the the first verses talking about his parents and the kind of people that they were. And they were older, but they sound like they were just really good people. They're very good people. I mean, it says in chapter 1 here in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So they were a model people. They were great examples. But all was not perfect in their life, was it? I, you know, just reading this chapter, I mean, they there was a lot of sadness there. They they had wanted children their whole lives, and, and here they are older, and they still have never had a child. And I know now, nowadays, that's that's still a real thing. That's a hard thing, wanting a child and and not being able to have a child. But in those days, there, there was even an added layer. There was shame involved. There was sort of a stigma attached to that. And so on top of their own personal sadness, and they had um, been married for a long time. They were both old, and they were past the age of having children. And so that must have been really hard. They've been praying for a child. But even in dealing with that in their life, it didn't stop them from serving God, did it? I mean, Zechariah was was a priest, and here we find him in the temple serving God. Right. In fact, both of them were from the tribe of Levi, which was the priestly family. And it just happens at this particular time when it was Zechariah's turn to serve in the temple, to go into the holy place and to offer incense, which is symbolic of the prayers of the people, uh, is when 
things changed. <laughs> so this is, I mean, just getting this scene right. So he's inside alone offering incense. There's people outside waiting, knowing that's what he's doing. But he thinks he's alone, but finds he's not. Well, he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And I guess he looks up and he sees on the right side of the altar an angel. And he's startled. In, fa- in fact, it says that he was troubled and he was afraid. And I think if I was Zechariah, I would be troubled and afraid too. My The version I'm reading from says confused. He, things were very different. You don't see an angel every day, do you? And yet the angel Gabriel features in this chapter quite a lot. So the angel speaks, or Gabriel speaks, and he tells Zechariah, and it seems like when we read stories about angels appearing to people, people normally are afraid, and the angel normally says, don't be afraid, because he's bringing some hopeful news or good news, and he says, your prayers have been heard. Now, there were the prayers for the people that he was offering and with the incense. There is also this personal prayer that Zechariah has been praying his whole life. So which of those prayers was this angel referring to? I think probably both. I can imagine his role as offering incense on behalf of the people praying to God because God's people were in a bad state. They were looking for their redemption. They were looking for God to to save them, to redeem them. That was part of their prayer. He was praying that prayer on behalf of the people, but also he and Elizabeth had a personal need. They were praying for a, a child, probably a son. And the angel says, God has heard your prayers. And so he says, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. And Zechariah's first response, of course, was, you know, that logic kicks in and it's, wait a minute, I'm old, Elizabeth's old. Uh, This is impossible for us to have a child. First of all, it was impossible because we never could when we were young. And, And now you're saying, now we're this old? This is impossible. That's right. It was impossible. Uh, But we're going to learn a little bit later in this chapter that with God, nothing is impossible. So Zechariah leaves this base where he was offering incense. He goes out to the people. And they, they had been waiting a little while. This took longer than usual, didn't it? So he comes out and um, he goes home. And lo and behold, Elizabeth becomes pregnant, even in their old age. And so, again, how impossible this must seem to this elderly lady <laughs> to be pregnant. And my, yeah, my thought would be when she, quote, found out she was pregnant, how they would have felt. <laughs> they must have been just overwhelmed, incredulous. And I can imagine Zachariah sort of walking around very proudly, you know, in the community that his elderly wife is actually pregnant. I'm sure that was the talk of the town. (laughs) Right. But it's funny we say it's the talk of the town because we have actually left off the fact that the one person not talking is Zechariah. Because when he was, when he got this news from the angel and his disbelief, his surprise caused an effect as the angel said, Zechariah, you will not be able to speak until you have the son. So... (laughs) Talk of the town, but Zechariah couldn't even talk about his own news. He could not. He was mute. (laughs) That's right. And Elizabeth, I mean, her reaction, she stayed home for five months. 
she stayed home. So she was not out and about either. But at home, she had a really important and significant visitor come to her house. The scene changes from Jerusalem now to Nazareth to another woman, but this woman is very, very young. In fact, she's not married at all. She's never had relations with with the man, and yet the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, you're going to have a son. Wow. So we have the angel Gabriel is visiting two ends of the spectrum in the human race. He's visiting an older couple and saying they're going to have a baby. And then he's visiting this very young woman and saying, you're going to have a baby. I would almost imagine that Mary hadn't even had time to be praying for children yet. <laughs> you know, she's not, that's not on her radar. She's, she's not even married yet. She's, she's engaged, but she's not married yet. And here the angel's saying, you're going to have a baby. But it's interesting, this older man who's very faithful, who's a good man, his disbelief is almost bigger than this woman, this young woman who finds out she's going to be pregnant. She she doesn't understand everything, but she does say, this is God's will. If he chooses me, I will do God's will. And that's amazing, that great faith that she has, that just total trust in the Word of God. And so in this chapter, we have two impossible births. The first one, you know, we thought, wow, an older couple past the age of childbearing, and then Elizabeth finds herself pregnant uh, with a son. And we thought, wow, that that is impossible. And then we have the story of Mary, even a more impossible birth. And it's just amazing. Yeah, she finds herself pregnant. She just gives herself to God, and then she goes on a visit. Yeah, she goes and visits her cousin, her elderly cousin, Elizabeth. So here, for the first time, Uh, These two women, both carrying what the angel says is a great child, a child who will be great. So here are these two pregnant women. And as soon as they meet together physically, then Elizabeth's baby, John, leaps in her womb. He recognizes this other baby. It's a very spirit-filled moment. It's not explained by human words, really. Right. But here are these two women, these two babies that are changing the whole course of history. Amazing. It is. And Elizabeth um, is filled with the Spirit, and, and she comes out and starts talking about how great this baby of Mary's is. and says, my Lord. She even knows through the Spirit that this baby that Mary is carrying is amazing. This is Jesus. This is the one who's saving the world. So here are these two women. I love the thought of those two women getting together. And then Mary responds, and she sings or prays in verse verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. And this is sort of a famous text of Scripture, this Mary song, and it's been put into song. And Uh, the Magnificat, and this is just a wonderful song that she sings in response to all of what's going on and how God is going to actually finally answer all these prayers of his people and redeem them through the one that she is carrying. Isn't it interesting? The Spirit is involved. This great song comes forth. But these two women know that this is impossible. And they know there's no way.
love in verse 37. Depending on the version That's right. And, you know, as I'm looking at this chapter, I'm thinking in my life, things that in the past I thought were impossible, and yet I see how God has has brought me through. And for me, before I even think about my Bible class for children, you know, starting gathering the glue and the glitter and the activities and things like that, before I even tell the story to the children, I want this to sink in. I really want, you know, to read God's Word and, and to really think for a moment how nothing is impossible with God in in my life, in the life of the church, in the life of the whole world. Uh, nothing is impossible. And when you look through actually the, the whole Scripture, the Old Testament and New Testament, we can see many examples of when things look so impossible, God intervened, God acted to remind us or to teach us that with God, yeah, He can do everything, anything in His will and His purposes. And we need to learn to trust in God and what He says. So, David, um, I teach children, you teach adults. So when you're teaching adults, what kind of things would you want them to be talking about in your class? Well, this is a long chapter, and there's quite a lot of stuff you can be talking about in this chapter. 
Maybe one of the things you might want to do at the beginning of a class is just asking questions. Like, what are some impossible things in your life that you thought were impossible, but somehow through your prayers to God, those prayers were answered? And it'd be interesting, the response in the class to that question. So they're, they're thinking about the past, how God has has made the possible out of the impossible, but I, I suppose you also want them to be thinking about their future, because there are things probably in, in their lives that seem impossible even right now. And don't give up uh, in praying. I mean, that's a, not necessarily the lesson here, but in other places is don't ever give up in praying. Keep praying. God will answer your prayers according to His redemptive purposes and will. We just need to learn to trust God and, and keep on praying and looking to God. So that's your adult class. I think when I'm teaching children, I want to think what their world is about. and I, I, I need this to relate to yeah. their world. So it's very interesting. This is one of those Bible stories to me that is so relatable to children because their world is a lot about babies and children and baby showers and things like that. Usually children... You know, they, they maybe have seen their own mother pregnant, mm. their mother's friends, their aunties. Pregnancy and babies is a big part of a, a young child's life, usually. So I, I would talk about that. I'd talk about what's happening in their world. I'd probably bring some baby items into the class. I think it, for younger children, it'd be fun to hide some of those, like a rattle and a bottle and a pacifier and some nappies or diapers, you know, hide those around the room and the children find them. And then we talk about babies just to get their mind, you know, thinking in that direction. I have, David, you, you may not even realize, I have a, a birth announcement from you. Your mother really? gave me a birth announcement. Oh, really? Yeah. It was the it's an uh, ancient document. An ancient <laughs> document. And it said the mother's name and the father's name and your name, uh, your weight and your length. <laughs> All of those nice personal details that when you're a baby are just fun facts. But um, yeah, it would be fun for the children in my class to create a birth announcement for John the Baptist. Talk and you know they could list mother and father and birthplace and some of those things because those will help the children kind of remember those facts and and think about the time that John was born. Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds good. So in the children's class, what would the uh, memory verse? Oh, how can we really go further than nothing is impossible with God? I think that's a great verse. Whichever version you know, God can do everything depends on the version you use, but that's a nice easy, short verse, so children can memorize that. And I think I'd tr- probably try to make that fun. We'd, we'd repeat that a few times, and then one game I like to play is just, l- let's say it in a baby voice, and we'd all say it in a baby voice. And then let's, let's say it in a whisper, and we'd all whisper the verse, nothing is impossible with God. And we would just try different voices, maybe sing it, maybe do an opera voice, all these ways, just a fun way to just repeat that verse. But, you know, by the end, the children will have memorized that verse very easily. Luke one thirty seven. Oh, that that would sound fun. Maybe we should try that in adult class, too. <laughs> oh, I'd like you to, David. Say that in different voices, because it's a great memory verse, and it's not just a memory verse for children, but actually it's... And what a verse to say in the midst of a trial, of an emergency, 
you know, you, right. you could quickly remember that verse. Nothing is impossible with God. So as we look back on that chapter, you know, it means something to me. But now I hope it means something to you and that you can take that on and teach the children. May God's word fill you up so that you can now pour his word out onto the children you teach. And God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's word with children.